Hey there, listeners. My name is Dave Smith, and you are listening to the Art of Sales podcast. We've got some great guests lined up, ready to share sales insights on what your customer is really thinking, how to engage prospects the right way, what to do to inspire salespeople, and thoughts and tips on assembling a kick-ass sales team. With me today is Eric Clapper. Eric is the VP of Sales and Sales Operations at Badger Maps, the number one route planner for field salespeople. Eric has been with Badger since the beginning and is passionate about making its users successful and providing a great experience. He has a bachelor's degree in classics and a master's in management science and engineering, both from Stanford University. Eric, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so just a couple episodes ago, I had your CEO, Steve, on, but uh, give me a quick pitch. Why should people use Badger? People should use Badger because a lot of their success is being determined by how many customers they get in front of each day, and that's often the hardest part of their job, and it's one that they're not often, if ever, equipped with the tools to kind of make them better at it. And so using Badger allows you to visit 20 to 25% more customers while driving 20% less. So you'll be spending more time in front of customers, generating more sales rather than, you know, driving behind and driving a car more, which is generating more expenses. That's a pretty good way of looking at it. Yeah. I mean, field sales is all about how many people can you get in front of, right? Yeah. Well, you know, when you think about like the, the, the delta between the kind of like, you know, the, the, the average and, and, and great reps, it's like, it's still not like, you know, what's your close rate? It's somewhere between, you know, zero and a hundred, which is, you know, it's much more of like, you know, do you get in front of 10 people a week or do you get in front of a hundred people a week? And, and it's like, you know, if you're only closing 20%, but you're getting in front of a hundred people a week, you're still gonna be better than the person who's closing 50 who's getting in front of 10. And, and so it's just, you know, given that you can kind of dramatically scale up your ability to visit, not just, not just, you know, customers in general, but the the most important customers, because you can segment and say, okay, who are the ones that are right for a visit? When are um, ones that are a high potential ones that are a particularly good fit? Uh, There's, there's, you know, you can kind of slice and dice your territory. So it's not, it's not that, that you're doing kind of just activity for the sake of activity it's actually these are meaningful customers to begin and getting in front of. Yeah, probably great for following up like customer success as well, right? Oh, hey, by the way, I'm in the neighborhood of Joe. I'm going to stop off and see what's up, you know, see how yeah, the product's well, doing for him, see what's going on. Yeah, and, and you can say it's like, okay, well, I need to make sure that, you know, my whether you do gold, silver, bronze, ABC, one, two, three, uh, you know, your top accounts, it's like, well, I need to be visiting them. And so whenever I'm in the area, I should let them know. It's like, hey, you know, let me take you to lunch, you know, let me, you know, like you, let's grab some coffee. Let's, uh, you know, depending on if you're operating heavy machinery or not, let's maybe not grab a beer. (laughs) Let's go a late coffee. (laughs) Right, right, right. Uh, Depending, you know, a lot of manufacturing reps, you know, visiting, it's like there's certain things like, yeah, you shouldn't, shouldn't be drinking and using that. Um, no, in, no, no beers if you're operating heavy machinery, but no beers. <laughs> you know, if it's, if it's Thursday, Friday, whatever, and it's like, uh, afternoon, sure. Let's go grab a beer. <laughs> but just, yeah. just being, being present, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's this whole, uh, it's really hard to, you know, 
people's recalls only as good as the last time you saw them. And yes. so, you know, making sure that, that, you know, and, and the most valuable resource is your time. And so showing customers that, that you're, you know, I'm spending time to get out of here. Not just like kind of sending a random mailer or, Hey, you're a, you know, here's a plaque cause you gave us a lot of money last year. It's more of like, I'm showing up, I'm, I'm trying, I'm tending your needs. And a lot of times, uh, those, those customers will stay with you. And, you know, kind of, I, I don't know if it was, I think it was, it was Jason Lemkin was saying that, that he tried to make a point of visiting in when he was the CEO, visiting in person every he had like a, a, a number and he's like every customer over that he had to go and every person that he shook hands with and spoke with like you know kind of went on site for a couple like a day or two he says we never lost one of those customers that it's just like you know kind of showing up is you know not whatever you know yeah I can run through the whole barrel of cliches here but it's like showing up is like 90 percent of it and yeah being able to say like, you know, shake hands and talk and like, let's see how this could fit your needs. I think a lot of that, that kind of investment goes a really long way. Yeah. I mean, continued success is all about relationships. You know, did you sell me something and completely forgot about me, wrote me off the page? If so, even if your product is decent, I may look at a competitor, right? Yeah. But as long that as your product serves my needs and you're taking care of me, you're checking in with me, seeing how things are going, you know, I'll stick with you. Absolutely. I will. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you don't, I mean, unless the, 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 you, the, the product is, you know, light years ahead and almost a net net, it almost never is that situation. It's more of just that, you know, you weren't attentive to the right things. And, um, and that's a, you know, a big part of, you know, being in front of customers and it's, it, which is especially hard if you're doing a lot of, you know, doing the things, uh, in person that, you know, that the, the, the job of field sales. Right. So let's jump on to the next question here. How can you create success across the entire team? So marketing, sales, customer success, all of the things that go into making an organization successful, how can you create uh, success across the board? Well, I think it, it starts with, uh, you know, kind of there's the, the, the attacking it from the team side and attacking it from the individual side. Cause if, if the team is not set up in a way for, for success, then the greatest individuals in the world won't get that far. And if you know you have the best team organization in the world, like, you know, out, out I, I, the known world. And it's like, you still in, um, if you don't have, uh, the right or the individuals set up in the right way, then it's still not going to work. And so from the individual perspective, I think it's a part of, of <clears throat> less the less the kind of crack whip and more of like okay so um because you're part of this team here are the overarching goals and for each individual it's like okay here are here's how you contribute to each of these goals and here are kind of like a top three priorities and it, it, it's, it, it's much more of a conversation than like kind of like uh you know alec baldwin up there you know kind of slapping the the uh the chalkboard, you know, right. it's like third place is you're fired. ABC always be closing. <laughs> yeah. Third, third, you know, second place <laughs> utensils, third place you're fired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's much more about, okay, so what are your top three priorities, you know, and here, what are, what are the top three priorities of the role that you're in and kind of, let's see how those align. And it's it, because if people don't feel like a, what they're doing is important, they're just never going to never going to put enough energy into it 
And if they don't feel like that uh, it's valuable for them for them to do, then they're also not going to put energy enough. So I think a, a big part of the management is, is setting it up. So it's like, hey, this is why this is important. And this is how what you're doing is kind of getting you to where you want to be because you have to, and, and, and it's hard. You have to keep in mind, okay, so yes, what you're doing now is what you not ultimately don't want to do or you know, maybe just a part of what you want to do. Really, want you want to be doing something else. Right. Well, let's 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 set it up so that okay, so this is what I need from you now, and this is this is how this builds towards you know kind of eventually. And let's let's see if we can dig into that a little more particularly. So, purpose. What you're talking about here is extremely important to intrinsic motivation, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, there's a million different things that you can read or whatever. It says, oh, purpose, purpose, purpose. What do you find works best in identifying a way to connect individual employees with the purpose and goals of the organization? For the most part, uh, what's what's worked for me uh, has been, well, A, uh, A, I think – you have to make sure that that all of this, because as soon as as soon as there's there's any amount of uh, not a, a incredible candor in all of these conversations, you're going to lose people. They're like, ah, well, you know, uh, I, I'm <laughs> I've kind of fallen into keep cashing them checks. But uh, what 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 I have in these conversations is that okay, so tell me what like what is it that you want to do, and you know. Let's see, let's construct a plan that gets you there. And I think A, showing that you actually care to listen, uh, it goes a long way and kind of like, okay, let's put together a plan where we get you to where you want to be. And, and even if it's, if it's not right away or if it's, um, it, it might be there, there's a couple steps between now and then, I think people really feel like, well, you know, if so-and-so is invested in me, then I, I really got to invest myself in getting there. And then it's like kind of stressing. It's like, well, you know, these are the steps that we need to get you to where you want to be. And so, okay, so this is, people just want kind of clear, this is, this is what you need to do to get to where you want to be and laying out very clear steps. Like, okay, so you want to be an account executive. And right now you're an SDR. These are, these are the things I need to see before you get there. And these are the, this is the best way of going about it. How does that sound? And I think it's one of these things where instead of like saying like, oh, well, work hard because I say so, <laughs> it's going to get you, you know, it doesn't, doesn't work with kindergartners, doesn't work with, with adults. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, what I asked you is a, it's a somewhat difficult question, right? Because, you know, supposedly all you have to do is find the right people, right? Mm-hmm. And then hire them. Mm-hmm. And then give them clearly stated goals or objectives and motivate them along the way. And boom, you've got this magical unicorn organization cropping up overnight, right? Yeah. But, uh, you know, of course, with any organization and with any individual, um, there's always variations in, in what is motivating. What, what do you have to do to really uh, create a sense of purpose for someone where they feel tied to the organization itself where it's more than a nine to five job, but it's something that they are passionate about. And, you know, and, and of course there's purpose in a variety of levels. There's purpose as an organization in terms of what, what, what are we creating and, and what's, you know, what problem are we solving and how are we helping people? 
there's purpose as a team in terms of like, how are we as a team achieving the stated goals of the organization? Um, how are we supporting each other? How are we being good colleagues to one another? How are we, you know, for instance, how is marketing supporting sales and vice versa? And then of course, purpose as an individual, like, you know, what's, how am I, how am I ensuring that I contribute hundred percent of, of what I've got within me to this organization and, you know, why, why do I do it? So it's, but all of those are relatively different, difficult questions to, to uh, answer, I guess. It's one of the things where I think you have to go into, go into it realistically. Like I think one of the things that we do a good job of is that saying like, Hey, you know, we understand that, that you're going to have, like, you're going to have a life. You're going to have, you know, you have to have a family or you don't, um, or you'd have, you know, really kind of strongly held, uh, you know, kind of passions outside of work. Totally get it. You know, what this is for is like, we want you to feel like this is a place where you can grow or you can work where it's expected that you work hard, but it's not, not because someone's squeezing the dials on you. It's just because the, 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 the task to which we've set ourselves is difficult. You know, it's really hard to, to start a company. It's really hard to keep growing. It's that that the natural inclination of of most people is after a certain amount of time to coast. And I think that's that's true. And I, I think it's one of these things that people work. You know, how do you how do you adjust for that? And <clears throat> with what we found is saying like, well, if if people are you know like we want to make sure that they're you know being challenged in work, but not not challenged in in, in a stressful, it's like, it, and and obviously this might be inane, but the, the well, how we view it is the difference between pressure and stress. Stress, like stress, is you feel like there's something you can do. Pressure is you know it, it, what you what you have ahead of you is difficult, but you know what that you are able to do it, and that you know the steps that that were required to do it. And so rather than stress, is just like I don't know if there's anything I can do to change the situation. And so the focus is on putting pressure on people to do well but not having any stress on them to say, you know, you know, if, if not, you know, third, third place gets fired, you know, right, it's like, right, there's, right. Like, there's nothing really you can do about that. And, um, and I think also uh, uh, having really strong friendships at work. I, I think it's, it's, you know, naturally there's uh, people who go into sales can be competitive, um, but making sure that they understand like, you know, as, as care Barry as it sounds, you know, we're all, we're, we're, we're all working towards a common goal and like understand that, that, you know, here's how my success or here's how I should be, here's how my success helps the company, but also here's how helping someone else achieve their success helps the company and helps each other. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's also really motivating um, from a perspective of, um, and I think this is, I'm not sure how uh, kosher this is with the kind of the VC community, but at least in San Francisco, but what we found is that people really enjoy seeing the, uh, the the people they have closely held friendships with and they've been working with for a long time advance. So rather than, and this is something that 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 Steve really focuses on and really does a really good job on, is that rather than oh we have an opening, we should just hire the best we can find. It's like well let's see who in our current organization we can we can kind of kind of start start training for that role as it comes up. Like you know right now we don't. It's all a fairly small organization, but it's saying like, hey, we need, you know, once you start adding more headcount, you need kind of, you need an SDR manager, you need, you know, kind of area sales manager, you need, 
all these kind of the, these rules. And it's like, well, we could go out and just, you know, kind of say, okay, SDR manager, we're looking for one. Or we could say, you know, among our current employees, like we should always be looking at, at kind of what, you know, what are their goals? Cause there's some people in sales. This is, there's some people in engineering that don't want that just want like a senior role, but like not a management role. Like they want, uh, you know, they want to handle like, you know, enterprise account executive for like senior staff engineer, you know, it's just like they want to work, be working on bigger and bigger things, but not be in charge of anyone. That's fine. But if they do want more of the, 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 you know, kind of, I want to be in charge of people or I want to be, you know, like, do I want to start managing teams? It's like, okay, so let's see how, you know, how do we get there? And, you know, what is it that, how can we build a bridge from your current role to the role you want? And then, you know, not only is that kind of motivating to say, okay, so, you know, the, the, the person, you know, the management laid out exactly what I need to do to get to where I want to be. That's incredibly motivating. And then other people seeing, seeing someone get to where they want to be is also incredibly motivating. Oh, I think what you mentioned at the beginning is, is important as well that, you know, everyone has a life, right? Yeah. Hopefully the majority of your employees, their life is not to wake up and go to work and <laughs> work all day and then go home, you know? Um, yeah. Hopefully, ideally, you have people who are working to achieve some desired end state, right? Whether and, and there's things that you can do to help them along the way, right? There's professional growth. There's um, incentivizing them, perhaps, if they hit their targets with more time to spend with their family, to spend with their loved ones, yeah. or to spend outdoors, uh, mountain biking or skiing or running or whatever it is that they love to do. Um, and of course, you know, money. Everybody's got things they want to buy. Everybody's got stuff they want to achieve. So. Mm -hmm finding, you know, what are some of these things that incentivize people, but within intrinsic motivation, supposedly there's, there's four key things, um, purpose, connectedness, autonomy, and mastery. Um, and I guess if you, supposedly if you can bring all of those together in a meaningful way, you end up with a highly motivated workforce, right? Or so Daniel Pink and all these other experts keep telling us, you know? <laughs> Um, I'd like to see re re reproducibility in all of those studies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, it's, it's, so that's one of the things we look into all the time is, you know, what, what can you do to really sincerely build a strong culture, motivate a workforce, build something that is unique, you know, where people wake up and they're like, cool, I like my job. You know, I don't live to work, but I like my job. I like my colleagues. I like what I do. I feel a sense of purpose about it. I feel connected to it. And therefore, when I show up and I punch my card in or <laughs> whatever, you know, log in, like I'm contributing every moment that, you know, the company is paying me, I'm contributing. I think that that's, it's really important. I think that more companies need to start having that discussion. How can we create that, you know? who were driven that way. I mean, I think the problem is, is that, well, I guess it depends on when you say companies, like I think bigger companies for a large part, and you've seen this, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, Uber's been dinged for it in the past or currently because of its, its desire to not have a workforce, uh, but, or to not have employee, have a workforce without employees. Um, but Google and Facebook have, uh, or, and I know, uh, I don't know if it's, well, Facebook as well, but like the, you know, the Titans of Silicon Valley rely upon these kind of these contractors. And I think a big part of it is that they have uh, the desire to kind of minimize it's like revenue per employee 
And it's like, well, if they're not employees. <laughs> and so I think if you already, if you have them kind of setting the standard, it's really, it, it's everyone's like, well, we should be more, more like them. You know, it's like, you know, the idea of like core competencies where it's like, well, this is what we do. And everything that's not a kind of directly attached to what we do, we outsource a contract. And so, and it's, you know, in the same way that um, bad ideas kind of spread around that it's like, you have this creep between, you know, like two where you know, if you say like, you know, it's kind of like, uh, uh, you know, first they came for, you know, this group and then they came for this group. It's like, well, if they're outsourcing everything, you know, you might, they keep shaving off the end. It's like, there's not, there might become a time you're like, oh yeah. So now you have an orange badge instead of a, a green badge. And that means you're set classes. <laughs> oh. Oh, oh, and work harder <laughs> or you're fired. <laughs> so, so let's, let's do this real quick then kind of while we're on this topic, what, speaking of workforce and, and, you know, finding the right people and this sort of thing, what are the best ways to find and recruit salespeople, SDRs, whatever to your team? What, what I found is a, a couple of things. Uh, I, I think that our internship program has done a wonderful job in identifying employees who feel like they belong, who feel like they could do well. And so that's one source. Um, and then what, um, as we've started to kind of look outside of the, just the intern program and just start hiring, you know, especially people local here in uh, Utah, what we found is when we go in and say, oh, this is, um, put out, put out, you know, kind of of ads and I, I feel like or kind of uh, job postings and what we found is that when we're when we're when we're chatting um, with prospective uh, employees I, I think a big part of it is asking them <clears throat> in the same way that we ask employees like how does what you're doing now kind of build to where you want to be you know mm -hmm. how to, asking someone to kind of say hey you know how does this build to where you want to be and if they can't and if they don't approach it with, with honesty, then it's really easy to say, Oh no. But if a lot of times you're like, okay, so, you know, this is how I feel like this, you know, this is the role I ultimately want, or this is where I want to be, or this is how I see like the opportunity at this company or this role, uh, gets me to, you know, gets me some, gets me somewhat closer to what my ultimate goal is. And if they can have kind of a cogent answer to that, that really makes it kind of answers the kind of, for me, at least the, the more of the intrinsic, uh, aspects. And I think a big part of it also is that I think it's pretty easy to, to identify, um, not in an interview, but like once, once they actually get on, no, kind of hit the road, like, you know, making calls, like it takes very, a very little amount of time for someone to determine if they're going to be able to do this or not. Whereas you can't over the course of an interview, it, it, it's very easy for, for someone to appear in a better light or to appear stronger than they are, or for you to just deceive yourself and say, oh, well, they'll be able to do this well. Whereas like, you know, being able to say, you know, we're not, we care about hiring, but we don't care that we don't, we don't care that, that, that saying, you know, being able to kind of get rid of someone very quickly, if they feel like it's just not a good fit, that we don't see it as a, a big mistake. That it's not a, a mistake of ours um, for us. Like, you know, we can, no one can, no one wants to admit that they made a mistake. So we're just going to let this guy sit around. 
that you know, kind of avoiding that allows you to go a long way. Yeah, that's, that's an important question. You know, how do you find and hire people who are intrinsically motivated, you know? So for instance, when you guys are hiring there at Badger, are you going the traditional route? Are you just putting, you know, ads out online, ads in whatever local journals, ads in, or, or do you have some outside of the box strategy with your approach to recruitment? So, I mean, I think 90% of our most recent hires uh, came from our intern program. So it's like, so far we really haven't developed a, a kind of a, a, a def- we haven't really developed any kind of strategy for going outbound on mm-hmm. um, outside of the intern program. Like it's been a, a, you know, a major source of kind of employees for us. And um, <clears throat> I, I think, and as something that we we're going to have to figure out going forward on, on <clears throat> how do we, how do we find and select employees that we haven't vetted extensively through an intern program? <laughs> how are you guys getting your interns? I mean, are they like, um, you know, is it, is it just the good old boy Stanford club who's rolling into Badger or, or where they, where are the interns coming from? You know, it's because it, in the off chance that, uh, <laughs> that, that uh, some of our former interns, hear this uh you gotta be careful but uh so in general we found that the the more prestigious the university the the less of a good fit the intern has been um that's that's interesting maybe not super surprising but that's it's definitely interesting depending depending on your depending on your opinion of uh of uh higher of higher education that could Mm -hmm. either and especially which one you attended that Mm -hmm. could uh either very much uh, uh, resonate with you or very much repel you. <laughs> so we got that, we got that Cal Stanford thing going right now. I'm going to be like, Oh yeah, I don't hire the Stanford interns. Hire them from Cal. No. <laughs> well, we have, we actually have, uh, <clears throat> I think right now we have, so me and Steve went to Stanford, um, but we have uh, two employees from Cal. So we're, you know, exactly balanced. <laughs> You're, you're reaching your Zen point for the West Coast University, uh, you know, where it should be. Um, but but in general, a lot of it, uh, people are just, you know, uh, <clears throat> I haven't been involved with the recruiting, but I know that they spend a lot of time, you know, putting ads out and not, not restricting to um, the, you know, kind of the, what Silicon Valley recruits from. Um, I think, one of these things is they, they go through, uh, uh, whether it's, you know, San Francisco, well, at least for, for the Bay Area, you know, they go to San Francisco State. We've gotten great interest from there. San Francisco City College, Golden Gate University. We've gotten great, great students that want to come in part-time or can take like a quarter off to do full-time internships. Um, those have all been great for us. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's more a matter of, of, you know, getting them to come in, getting, you know, talking with them. And because it's an internship, it's like, okay, let's see what this goes. And I think it's, it's being willing to take a shot on someone who, who cares a lot, but maybe doesn't have the exact skills you're looking for. Yeah. No, I, so I'm a huge fan of the hustle. Like I yeah. love finding people who have that hustle mentality. And mm-hmm. I have to say from, from personal experience, most of the time you find that hustle you know, in the guys who are in the trenches, you know, the city college and this kind of stuff who's out there, you know, doing whatever they can just to make payments more than you do with the guys from the Ivy league schools who, 
I, nobody floats their way through an Ivy League education, you know, but I think that you find a lot more of the hustle when you search outside of that particular set. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I would say like one of our employees who kind of defines the hustle, he, uh, he actually, his, his claim to fame is that he never, never took the SAT because he did, he went, uh, he was former military. Um, he went with, um, went to, he went to junior college and then cause he had good enough grades, he transferred to, to a, a four year. And when he transferred the four year, like they don't, they don't, they don't ask for your SAT. So he just never took it. Um, and then that's, he that's, got his MBA uh, from, I think it was, it was, I think it was CSU East Bay, but he, I mean, he was like, you know, taking classes and almost somehow working for us full time. And cause he just really cared. He's like, this is a great opportunity. And I mean, he's been one of our best employees. Yeah. No, that's similar to myself. I never took the SATs. I went from the military into community college, from community yeah. college straight into four-year university. So skip the SATs. Thank God, because that would have been a disaster. <laughs> oh, well. Um, I'll have to let him know that there's, there, there, there's another member of the club who... <laughs> yeah, exactly. In the, in the hustle and grind club, in the, in the find another way to get your way into that, into that university club. Yeah. So how do you train your sales teams there at Badger? Is there like a playbook or something particular or is it different for everyone or? Uh, there, guys... There's a playbook, but I think, and this is kind of the, 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 the tension in a playbook is that there's, you want people to feel like they have, I mean, we were, we were talking about earlier autonomy or like what I like to say, the freedom to kind of, to, to the, the freedom to experiment on different approaches. And it's more of like, here is, here is what we recommend. Here are the ultimate goals. And, and, and like, here are some guidelines, but rest. But I think uh, uh, the more, the more that you can, you do with scripts and the more that it's like, well, you know, okay, so do not pass go until all of these boxes are, are ticked. You know, it's like, it, 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 it's one of these things where it's like, you only have so much, you know, in the computer analogy, you only have so much working memory and the, the, the less that can be cluttered, the, the less they have to have in their mind at one time, the better. And it's true of anyone. So like the less that they have to worry about, it's like, oh, well, you know, the last name is a K, but there's a hyphen in it. So I'm not sure, you know, where, where, where the, you know, because where the lead goes and they go, but they go by their maiden name. Yeah. Um, and, and it's more about, okay, so what is the objective for this call? And you know, and this comes that, that like what we were talking about earlier, where it's like the tension between, you know, kind of institutional knowledge versus, versus, you know, written materials, like written materials can be a great guide. And we do go out of our way to make sure that it's like, Hey, these are, you know, potential questions, you know, kind of writing out answers to kind of, you know, uh, or, you know if anyone has kind of any objections, like here are some common ones and here are, uh, uh, you know, kind of a, a well-written answer to them. And this is kind of, uh, and this is, this is more of our experience with certain kinds of industries, or these are certain questions that you can kind of lead in with where it's like, cause ultimately it's, these are all conversation and it's not, it's not like you're, you know, running up a hill. It's more of like, where it's like, you just get to the top. It's more of like, okay, so, you know, my goal at the end of this call is to know a little bit more about, you know, kind of, can I qualify them or am I talking to the right person or is they, are they a good fit? 
and less of, you know, did I ask this question and do they respond in the affirmative? And so it, it's that, 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 you know, kind of that, that tension between those two of, of, you know, how much are we, you know, how much should we write out versus how much should we just say, this is something that there's a training. And so one of the things we do is that we'll have kind of a, uh, we'll have a, a, you know, we'll have one-on-ones fairly frequently where it's not so much, uh, let's talk about your numbers more of like, okay, let's talk about the situations you came into. Like what, you know, how did you approach the situation? What, what are you not sure of? Um, and we have, you know, kind of uh, group group meetings. It's more almost every time it's, it's okay. So let's, it's almost never like, Oh, you know, like uh, you know, third place gets fired. It's more of, okay. So what does, what does, you know, what are the situations that we encountered and how, what's the best way to answer it? Or how did you answer it? But how, what do you think you, how you should have answered it? It's almost always walking through kind of the situational, like, Oh, well, so that, you know, I handled it this way, but here's what this guy said. And I wasn't trying to respond. So he responded in this way. And I think it's one of these things where it's, it's much more of a dialogue and everyone's like, Oh, okay, well, you know, in the past this is what I've experienced. Um, and that's, that's kind of, that's where most of the training comes from. Yeah. So processes in general are great. If you look at the huge majority of successful businesses, organizations, entrepreneurs, whatever, they'll all tell you that the process is super important. Mm -hmm. But there's this like balancing act, I feel, because while processes help make things run smoothly, it's the freedom itself, the autonomy that allows people to feel like they're part of something, to feel like they are shaping things in their own kind of way that allows them to unleash their creativity. Mm. And creativity is at the end of the day, what's going to make any organization successful. It's where the majority of your competitive advantage is going to come from, right? How can we come up with something or do things in a way that other people aren't doing it? Um, so that, that balance between processes and freedom slash creativity is always, always kind of interesting. Um, let's talk a little bit about KPIs and metrics. First, I want to ask you, what are the key metrics that you're measuring? So what we measure is, is <clears throat> and kind of this is a metric of like, um, at least for, for, for SDRs and for AEs, uh, uh, one of the key metrics we look at is call duration because it allows us to kind of uh, kind of standardize between AEs and SDRs, whereas SDRs might, you know, and what we aim for, and depending on the day, is somewhere around two and a half to three hours on the phone, which is a lot. Um, that, that's, that's, that's not a... It's like, oh, well, eight-hour day, it's easy. It's like, well, that's not, <laughs> that is a full day. Um, whereas like one of our AEs can get that might be, depending on, you know, kind of how, where they are at certain deals, that three hours could be four calls. Whereas the SDRs could be, that could be a hundred calls or 80 yeah. calls. And so it all depends on the kind of calls you're making. And so if you kind of focus on call duration, because it's like, it's time talking to customers. And ultimately more of it, the better. But I think it's one of these things where, you know, we think of, okay, so these are the, these, we, we help you put together a list of people you should be going after. And um, we want to make sure that it's like, okay, so how do we, how do we say, okay, well, you know, 
because I'd much rather have 10 in-depth calls than 100, you know, <laughs> 100 voicemails, that it's really hard to say, oh, okay, well, these are the number of calls you need to be making, or these are the connections, or these are the contacts, or whatever. Because sometimes people just, because because if you look at, at kind of our website activity, it's, it, it's, it's pretty much like a, you know, Friday afternoon, it's ghost town because it's we we work with salesmen. Right. <laughs> you know, Monday, you know, Sunday evening to you know Sunday evening on is really busy. You know, people are like, oh, getting ready for the next week. Right. Uh, and so you have this, um, you know, kind of incredible spikiness, and and not only that, but like also as you know, kind of quarters ramp up, and you know, or as you get towards the end of a quarter, the the sales, you know, or not, you know, the activity could go down. Because it's like, oh, they're trying to make you know do their their own work rather than, uh, this cool sales tool can wait till after I hit my number for the end of the quarter, um, and so sometimes you know, it, the end of March might be or the end of December might be you know not a great, and it's just hard to normalize for you know for calls. So it's more of like how you know what customers do you get in front of, and call duration has made it easy for us to kind of say, okay, well you know. If you're if you're on the phone for you know two and a half to three hours a day with customers, then it's like that's meaningful, and it's one of these things where it's like people buy from the people they 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 that they they shake hands with, that they speak with, they feel like they develop a relationship with. That's the best way we've found for dealing with, for kind of saying like, okay, how do we set activity standards? Mm. Now, how are you guys incentivizing performance? You know, is it are you guys using? Uh, cash bonuses or giving away, you know, movie tickets or ball game tickets or this kind of stuff or. So right doing? now, right now um, we don't have a commission structure. So people are just paid a salary. I think that, and it's something that we kind of go back and forth on, um, you know, the leadership team um, right now we haven't had that. I, I, in general, I think people prefer to re- just receive salary than saying like, well, you know, and then, then anything. And so when we have the, the kind of people know that when we have the ability to, um, you know, they don't only have they you know, kind of, uh, advanced and they, they deserve recognition that we've had when we've had the kind of the ability to, um, to, uh, you know, give raises, give, you know, expand PTO that we've done it. And so I think there's never been like a, and so, and we go back and forth on commission just because I think the worry, the worry is, is that, that commissions in can be, unless you have, unless you have actually field sales where they're, they're totally, even then like they'll, 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 they'll kind of, they'll, the corridors where they rub up would be bad, but like in general, like they, they're working separate areas. It's not, but when you have people on the phone and you have, you know, uh, you know, trying to decide who gets what deal and the attribution and it gets escalated. And, you know, it's like, no, 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 no. Cause if I hit that, then I hit my escalator and you know, that other person doesn't deserve it. It, it, it can be corrosive where it's like the, the idea of like, well, you know, fighting. And I think if you look, talk to any experienced sales rep, they've come, like, almost everyone's had some situation where it's like, they were like trying to fight, to get like to, to get the, to the the deal under their name because it's going to be a big one and so it's like it, it yeah it's I mean, really hard situations yeah if it makes you feel any better even the experts themselves there's no consensus on this yeah 
you can read one, you know, Harvard Business Review study and it will say the best way to motivate your salespeople is with an unlimited, um, unlimited commission structure. So that way, you know, they hit 100%, they keep going, they hit 120%, they keep going. Or even you increase the incentives as they go above 100%, yeah. you know. And then other people will say kind of exactly like you said, well, that doesn't work. We want people to be sharing the leads, sharing the work, feeling like they're all in this together as a team, sharing they want, the burden they, of responsibility. This idea is that they, that they help. Um, they help each other out. And also, uh, what the, the, the true test of any commission structure is, okay, so the, per, the person who wrote this, are they on a commission structure? And the answer is always no. Yeah. <laughs> like, so these editors that, uh, uh, you know, whatever, fill in the blank magazine or this thought leader, it's like, oh, are, are you paid on commission? You know, based on your, like, you know, do you get an escalator based on the number of hits this gets? And, and if you go over a certain amount of hits, like, no, I just get paid per article or I just get, I just get, I get paid a salary. It's like, okay, well then it kind of undermines this whole advocating for <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I suppose you could look at it that way. I'm sure a lot of them are our business folks from a variety of backgrounds who are writing the articles. But one thing that I found unique that is pretty clever is basically the idea of, so everyone's familiar with the bell curve with the sales reps, right? Falling in different areas of the bell curve, the yeah. laggards or whatever you want to call them, core performers, rock stars, a performers, whatever, yeah. whatever names you give to these groups. Yeah. Kind of the idea is that, you know, every organization will have a handful of these, Corp, you know, uh, uh, top performers mm -hmm. and that they generally, whether or not it's true, they feel like they pull the majority of the weights of the organization mm -hmm. and therefore they like uncapped commission structures. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the core performers, that core 90%. And that's where, what we're talking about, this idea of company culture, what are you, what are you a part of? What are you building? What are you, whatever is much more important mm -hmm. because they're not so much money focused. They're focused on, all right, this is my nine to five. And yeah, if you motivate, if you motivate me the right way, you know, there can be an incredible difference between, you know, between my outputs. So, you know, how do you make me feel connected? Where's the professional development? Where's the, you know, paid time off or the whatever, what's the kind of yeah. different varying incentives. And then of course, kind of for the laggards, a lot of it is, is very important with professional mentoring, coaching, that kind of stuff um, to, to get them up so that they're uh, at least hitting targets like everyone else. Mm -hmm. Anywho, um, I don't know if you had any other, any thoughts around that idea. It, it, well, and, and, and you're right that it wasn't that you're, that it's not entirely fair to, to, to compare these guys to advocate some kind of like pay for performance structure. Um, but I, I am a firm believer that it's like, you know, there's never going to be, there's never going to be any truly fair system like or equal because you know perceptions and saying like oh well this is what i'm i feel like i'm i deserve and and so i think a big part of it is saying like okay so, so at least structuring it in a, in a way or structuring you know compensation in a way that feels like okay so this is this is what you know this is where we're at this is what we reckon rec we want to recognize you and i feel like if that if that accomplishes what you want, that then, you know, you're, you're good. And, um, but if there's, and I think it's just that, that you're right, that that commission structures for better or worse are used in a, in a bunch of different organizations to a, a 
varying degree of success. Um, but it, 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 it's hard to say, you know, would it be better if we just, you know, if, would it be better if we just paid salary or do we do more like uh, uh, harder to value stuff, like not so much cash bonuses, but like you said, movie tickets or, and then um, I, it, it's one of these things that, that and, it, and I think it's one of these other things that you have to evaluate constantly where it's, and, and they, you know, you, it, it just gets hard because you have, because you want, because as you, as you learn more about what a productive rep is, you want to set it so, you know, 75% of your reps can hit that. Um, but then that, so that, what that activity looks like is constantly changing. Yeah. And then, but, but, the, but like no one likes to have a constantly moving target to hit. And so the reps who've been under the regime the whole time, they're like, Hey, how come everything's adjusting? So either you adjust it on them or you, you keep people on different ones. So managing it becomes even more insane. Um, no, yeah. I mean, that's, that's spot on. So, so the idea of finding targets, you know, everyone should be hitting, I think, I think it's supposed to be like 70% or something, 70% of your employees. Yeah, should I've, be I've heard something like, you know, 70, 75. Yeah. I've seen but, some pretty brutal ones, uh, 50. <laughs> yeah. But, but of course you're right. You know, as that changes over time, right. You, you have to change the targets in order even just to keep it at 75% as people improve yeah. their performance or what you, you have to, improve the 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 targets that you're that you're measuring so it's it's uh the sales management stuff isn't always easy man well, the, the devil's in the details and i think it's it, you should always go with a system that's very easy to explain and that you believe in because if you because people have a really good bullshit detector and so being able to go like you're having this conversation and they're like okay so what's our what's the compound looking like if you're not all in they're going to be able to easily pick up on it. Yeah. And, and it, it, it's one of these things where it's like, and, and that might be the point where you lose someone where it's like, Oh, well, you know, I'm just kind of not, I'm not so, like, they, they're they kind of trying to spin this, this kind of uh, this hay into gold over here. And I really don't care. I tell you what, for 100% guaranteed, the moment that you start to erode trust, people are going to be leaving you quickly, like at the rapid rate, you're going to lose people. Yeah. If you, if for whatever it is that you do, you begin to erode trust in yourself or in the organization, it's going to get toxic real quick. And it's very, very hard to fix or to rebuild trust once it's damaged. I mean, you know, work is a relationship. It's the same as, same as regular relationships. You know, I mean, trust is extremely important in the workplace. So um, let's do this. I want to ask you something that's a little bit more out in left field, but something I wanted to cover. Um, you're working a lot with field sales reps, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on how field sales reps can better organize and manage their sales territory. So, uh, the, the best techniques I've, I've seen for organizing a sales territory is, you know, kind of dividing into your kind of a b and c accounts no one i mean unless they're very new or very spread out no one doesn't visit their a accounts if anything people are like I, i'm making sure to treat them very well the value is in that kind of middle group saying like okay so i have this kind of b silver whatever whatever kind of accounts but that could be 60 to 70 percent of my accounts are somewhere in the middle how how many times am i visiting them 
And there could be a lot of value unlocked because it's like, oh, well, it's a, you know, I'm only going after my $50,000 account. It's like, oh, well, well, you know, what's a B? A B is 10,000 to 5,000. It's like, okay, well, how many of them you visited? Oh, none. You're like, well, okay, so how many visits until it's worth the same? And it's just one of these things where it's like, you could visit, you know, your a, only visit your A accounts, but there's a lot of value under going in and visiting your B accounts yeah. and going in and, and saying like, well, if you've never visited them, it might need updating. You might say, hey, here is, you know, that's actually, you know, kind of misdiagnosed as a, as a B, but it's actually an A. You're, just, you're kind of blind. You're like, oh, well, you've, they've been written off so, so many times by everyone who's probably coming into the territory. You're like, ah, well, whatever. Whereas like actually going in and saying like, saying, okay, well, they're not really worth a visit. They're worth a visit every six months or a year, but they're worth a visit mm-hmm. rather than saying like, well, they're not, they're not an A account. So it's not worth my time. I mean, that's spot on. So the, the funny thing with these, as you said, whatever you call them, B-level accounts or silver accounts yeah, or yeah. whatever, is that it's not just you. It's every, they constantly get overlooked Yeah. By, by the large majority of the products and services that they use. They get overlooked because they're not that enterprise size. They're not the big guy. You know, you already brought them on board, right? They've been using yeah. the product for a little while. And then they just kind of fall by the wayside. But there's yeah. a huge chunk of money there. And you, you can't forget, you know, you, even the small accounts as well, you got to take care of the small accounts. But definitely in that silver level, the B level, there is a ton of value to be unlocked. And the, the funniest thing about these other accounts outside of enterprise is that it's the same type of people. They're working just as hard, if not harder. You know, I mean, they're in the grind. And they're, they're putting in all this effort and constantly getting overlooked generally by their whatever territory manager, sales manager, yeah. whoever it is that's supposed to be taking care of their success with, with, with the products or services that they're using. And if, if you learn properly to build relationships with those people, you, you will be extremely successful as a sales professional. I mean, that can be a pretty impactful visit, just like being the first guy in a while to walk in and just say, hey, here's what's going on. You know, I'm with, you know, I sell widgets. You guys need widgets. It's like, oh, we haven't had anyone to apply because we were just kind of, you know, we were big and we're, we're, you know, we're not quite so small that it's like an online only kind of thing, but we're, we're not big enough to, to, for a lot of companies to bother to send a rep or I, we fall into most people's territories that just go other, out of their places. So it's like, oh, well, can I have your business? And that might be, you know, whereas you're the enterprise guys, they're like, oh, well, you know, you know, why don't you come in on a Monday? Cause we already have the other day. We already have free lunch the other days. <laughs> yeah. dude, dude, you want, you want extreme bonus points. Here's how you do it. You show up at one of these customers on a Monday with a box of donuts. Oh, or you show coffee, up on like a Thursday afternoon coffee. or Friday afternoon with a couple cases of beer. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Again, not heavy dude. machinery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not with heavy machinery. <laughs> Dude, seriously, do it. Account closed. Closed. Yeah, everyone's like, I we love that guy. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't even know. I don't I don't even remember what he was selling, but it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like that guy. Yeah. Yeah. So one last one here. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about territory, because I know divvying up territory can be one of the most stressful things. Mm-hmm sales reps, right? Oh, so-and-so has got this territory. It used to be mine or 
we had 30 reps and I had a pretty decent territory. It was really important. Now we've got 40 and everybody's taking chunks out of my pie, right? Um, have you got any unique ways of looking up, divvying up sales territory? I, I think it's one of these things where, where, where people are – in the same way that it's like commission that that setting it up that 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 if you're adding more people to where you're actually having trying to refigure territories that that you're gonna have to have people give up certain parts of territory and that's always hard and that people even if they're there's there it's territory with accounts that they don't won't bother to visit they still feel like you're they're giving up an arm to like yeah. to, to give to to uh to kind of balance everything around. Now, if you're not adding any two new territories, if you're not adding any, any new reps, but more of like, hey, here is here is the revenue we've kind of uncovered through doing all these visits. Well, here's what's going on. Um, I think it's being able to go in and and uh, put the the reps in a you know in a place where it's like okay so you know we were trying to balance it based on all this revenue but because we've discovered all this this these new accounts or we've we've, we've kind of reclassified accounts given that 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 they actually willing to buy a lot more than we thought then you can actually say okay so here's we're not again you know people giving up territories can be hard but saying it's like well okay here's what's going on and trying to move things around all i know is that that there are huge consulting firms based on the idea of territory management. Like yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to think of, the, I, there's one that's based in the Bay area. I forget the name of it, but it's, it's all around territory. Well, so territory management and commissions for pharmaceutical reps. That's like they like a huge part of their business. And I forget the name of it. I'll, I'll send an email to you later. I, I, I forget that. Cause I had a lot of friends who went there to work from, from not, San. not surprising though. I mean, that is a huge topic. So, you know, you got somebody, they've been with the company for three or five or eight years or whatever. And as your organization grows, hey, great, salaries are going up, hopefully, you know. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you're, you're snatching crumbs or snatching entire slices of the pie away from these people, right? Which is, that's, it's, it's a difficult thing to deal with. So, yeah, you guys, you know, with badge reps working so much with field sales reps, I've, I've wanted to dig into that question for a while. And I was always curious if there was any like clever ways of addressing that. That is literally a management hot potato. Yeah. yeah. Well, so what most people do is when someone leaves or gets fired, then that's the only time they touch someone's territory. Cause then it, it kind of like, you assume that you're not going to know a lot about it anyways, but you basically, that allows you to say, Oh, okay, well we're going to move things around. And that's because it's like, we'd much rather, rather than burn bridges that way, we're just going to say, oh, they've left. Okay, well, we're going to – the new person is going to come in, but it's going to look a little different. <laughs> and yeah. that's kind of like the, the you know, it's like the, the Friday night news dump kind of version of, of sales territory realignment. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that you're aware. Statistics can say whatever you want them to say, right? But um, I was reading something that said that the, uh, the biggest problem that tenured sales reps face – is territory management over time. Yeah. So, which wouldn't be surprising. Well, I'll tell you what, um, I got a handful of other questions on the list. I'm not sure if we got time to hit them all. Is okay. there anything else you want to discuss real quick? I feel like we've done a really good job of, of kind of going through, I know it's kind of meandering, but uh, 
uh, going through, you know, the idea of like, you know, motivation um, and sales culture and just how important those two are to um, the overall success of the sales organization that, that it's like, you have to, you have to care that, that the, the activity that you're doing is important and also important, like that it's not important to your development, but it's important to the success of the company. And management's job is to kind of organize that and to, 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 to sell that to each employee. Cause if they don't believe that, then they're not going to be successful. Yeah. And that they're really tied together. Organizational culture yeah. flows from the management itself. Yeah. I mean, it, starts from, it starts from the very moment that an organization is born, you start defining your culture. And then certainly over time, as you decide, as you decide who's going to be managers, Mm-hmm. who those people are, what they place value on, how they lead, how they inspire people, how they, everything. I mean, management is very, very directly tied to organizational culture overall and, and happiness. Um, I'll tell you what, we'll do this real quick. We're going to roll into a closing round where I'll ask you a short series of questions. Okay. Um, and we'll see what pops up. Eric, what motivates you in life? I was going to say the desire, desire to, to, to learn a little bit more every day and to develop kind of deeper friendships. What is it that you love about sales? I love sales because you, it, it's the art of, of, of making someone care about something that they probably didn't care about to start. And it, it's, it's so through conversation, being able to say, to, to kind of to, to redirect people's interests or, to say, or to, to, to kind of refocus their attention on aspects of certain, of certain uh, uh, topics at hand. Perfect. I only got two more because I know your dog wants back in. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm sorry. They... Yeah. No worries, no worries. What do you hope others will take away from this podcast session? Uh, that you should approach, you know, how you, how you coach, how you motivate employees very carefully just because it's really easy to lose people. Yep. And last one, where can people go to learn more about you? So I know there's badgermapping.com, right? Is there anywhere else that you want to send folks, a personal LinkedIn, anything like that? Uh, so uh, you can go to my LinkedIn, uh, a, little bit, a, little, a little bit more about me, or they can just email me, uh, eric at badgermapping.com. So it's E-R-I-C at badgermapping.com. If they have any questions, they want a little bit more. So, All right, perfect. Hey, I can't say thanks enough for joining me for chatting motivation, culture, field sales, all this stuff that we've meandered our way through. It's been a great conversation and look forward to chatting with you again later. Sounds good. See you soon. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Art of Sales brought to you by SalesGreen. Key takeaways can be found in the show notes section. If you'd like to be featured on an upcoming episode, please email me at david at salescreen.com. Or if you're simply interested in finding the best sales motivation tools on the planet, you can visit www.salescreen.com. Remember, never stop at good enough when you can be great.